0: Hi, and welcome to True Crime Obsessed Mum. I am your True Crime Obsessed Mum, Amy. And this is your bonus episode. So last week, I was wearing a holiday, so you didn't get an episode. So this week, you're getting two. Now, this case is one that I was pretty sure I recorded before. But apparently I didn't, so I'm a little confused as to where that actually went So I'm recording it again for you because it's a case that is rather interesting And I think you will enjoy it So without further ado, let's get on with it So this case is the box, So if you can hear that, it's my really creaky chair Um, I need to get a new one So. My apologies if that is being heard. I will try not to move too much. So, this case is the bathtub murder of Michelle Summers. April eleventh, two 2007, Michelle Summers was found unconscious, underwater, in her bathtub. The coroner concluded that Michelle had died of a natural death due to cardiovascular disease. But her daughters, Alexis and Rachel, believed their father was to blame. Michelle was born on January 15, 1957 in Concord, California. She was a straight A student. She was homecoming queen and was miss Concord in 1976 martin mcNeil was born on February 1st 1956 martin joined the military 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 at the age of 17 but he was placed on disability leave for mental health reasons two years later in 1975. Now Martin and Michelle met at the activity for the LDS young adults. It's like a Mormon um get together. So Michelle and Martin met and fell in love very quickly and decided to elope and get married February the twenty-first, nineteen seventy eight. Now Eloping and getting married nowadays is a bit like a scandal. But I suppose in the 70s, it was more normal than it is now. And although their family was shocked, they did approve. So they went on to have four biological children. Rachel, Vanessa, Alexis and Damien. They later adopted three children from Ukraine, Giselle, Ellie and Sabrina, and um, another, sorry, four from Ukraine, because they also adopted a girl called Ada. So they had four children of their own and four children that they adopted. So, Michelle was a stay-at-home mother and wife She absolutely adored being a mother That's why after having four kids herself, she went on to adopt more Because it was just something she always wanted to do She was like the perfect um, mother-wife Looking after the kids, keeping the house tidy And her daughters would describe her as being their best friend. She was very loving and, yeah, just really enjoyed family life. Martin was a doctor and a non-practicing lawyer. And those who knew him said that mine made sure to let people know that he was both a doctor and a lawyer. He'd walk into the room and sort of take her over, like, look at me. He was like come across like he thought he was above everybody else and like he was very arrogant and seemed all about himself and a lot of people just didn't really get on with Martin. Now Alexis, his daughter, would say that although he was like that to the outside world and they often had to apologise for his behaviour he was very different within the family And he was actually a real good dad And was very involved in his children's life And yeah, just completely different To how he came across to everybody else However, when Martin turned 50 His daughter said that he changed he suddenly became very conscious of his appearance. He started using tanning beds. He started going to the gym to get fit. And you may think, well, what's wrong with that? But Martin really pushed it to extremes. Like he would even start doing random push ups in the middle of a conversation. Like you'd be talking to him, and suddenly he'll be on the floor giving you 10. middle of a random conversation and along with this he also started to mysteriously go out for hours at a time without letting michelle know where he was going so michelle obviously as she would started to become suspicious of martin having an affair Because, I mean, he's tanning, he's working out He's disappearing somewhere for hours at a time It's very unusual behaviour So I suppose it's normal to think the worst That he's having an affair So she asked Alexis to have a look at his phone records Now at this time, Rachel... Vanessa and Alexis didn't live at home And Alexis lived out of state um, Attending medical school So it was only the younger kids that were at home So Alexis used to um, come home for like holidays and things like that But during term time she'd be out of state but when she came home one time and Michelle confided in her her fears that her dad Martin was having an affair, Michelle managed to, sorry, Alexis managed to have a look into Martin's phone records and found that he was calling a certain number morning and night for hours at a time. And this number belonged to Gypsy Gillian Willis. Martin and Gypsy met in 2005, um, either at a nursing school or online. I've seen both, but I do believe it's online, but I've seen both, so I'm going to say it could be either or. Now, although they both said that they didn't want a relationship, and Martin actually telling Gypsy that he was very happily married, they Soon got into a relationship, and um, yeah, Martin started paying all of Gypsy's bills and her rent. Now, Martin wasn't Gypsy's first mistress; um, he actually had an affair with a lady called Anna Osborne Whitehall, who we will come back to later in this story. So, Michel confronts Martin about his affair with Gypsy. And he claimed that she was being ridiculous, as men so often do. It was all in her head. How can she be so silly? Of course, he's not, and it's not true. But he also said that if he was going to have an affair, it would be Michel's fault. Because she wasn't ageing very well and she could do with losing a few pounds and perhaps even having a facelift Shortly after this Martin surprised Michelle with an appointment for a facelift as a present Now Michelle hadn't ever indicated that she'd wanted to have a facelift So I think Giving somebody a facelift as a present when they haven't told you that they wanted one is bizarre. But he also indicated that he was going to take her on a two-week cruise after her surgery. Now, around this time, during a heartfelt tearful session at church, Martin announced that he had cancer in less than a year to live. His health did appear to deteriorate. He began limping and walking with a cane and wearing a surgical boot. Despite him saying to his neighbours that he just had a procedure done and was having some complications, Martin painted somewhat of a different picture of his condition at work as well. And he told one of his colleagues at work that he had a peripheral neuropathy in his toe that wouldn't get better. And he told another colleague that he had cancer in his big toe. And yet another colleague that he had a neurological problem similar to MS. But despite his scattered claims of various illnesses during that spring, Martin remodelled his whole basement on his own and appeared to have absolutely no difficulty carrying giant slabs of sheetrock down the steps, which we'll come back to. So Martin scheduled this appointment with Plastic Surgeon in March 2007. And at this appointment, Michelle So I keep getting names mixed up They both begin with M Michelle didn't really say much She was concerned She was concerned about the risks About the recovery and the downtime But agreed to schedule her surgery For that April anyway Now I personally think That the affair she knew Martin was having Was a big factor in her agreeing So they next had an appointment to determine if Michelle was healthy enough for the surgery. And the physician they saw was actually concerned about Michelle's high blood pressure. And he suggested that they got that under control before surgery. He said that perhaps you should postpone the surgery. We'll get Michelle on tablets, get her blood pressure down. Then you can book her in to have the surgery. Martin was not pleased with this suggestion to postpone the surgery at all. And the physician said other than the blood pressure, Michelle was found to be perfectly healthy. They even did an ECG that revealed that Michelle's heart was absolutely normal with no arrhythmias or any evidence of heart disease whatsoever. Despite the fact that the coroner um, said so the cause of death was natural due to heart disease. This ECG literally like a month before her death said that her heart was absolutely fine. So although the primary care physician recommended that Michelle delay the procedure, Michelle and Martin kept the appointment for the pre-operative evaluation with the surgeon. Alexis had come home from school to um, attend the appointment with him I think it was like spring break So Alexis was going to be home to help take care of her mother after the surgery Now before this pre-evaluation pre, pre um, evaluation with the surgeon Alexis saw Martin in his room writing down some medications that he wanted the doctor to prescribe using a dusty reference book that she hadn't seen him use in perhaps 10 or 15 years On the way to the appointment, Misha said that she did actually want to push the appointment back until summer so she could make sure that her blood pressure was under control just like her physician had recommended But Martin became very angry and raised his voice, telling Michelle she could not do that and saying, if you don't have the surgery now, you're not getting it. Now, considering Michelle didn't want it in the first place, again, I honestly believe it was only because she knew that Martin was having an affair that she wanted it so much. So, at the appointment neither martin or michelle disclosed the primary care physician's recommendations although martin did mention that she had some high blood pressure and had been prescribed medication for it martin directed the discussion about michelle's post-operative medication regime so after performing a facelift the surgeon typically prescribed a pain reliever called Lortab, an antibiotic called Cephalexin, a sleeping medication Ambien, an anti-inflammatory medial dose pack and an eye ointment called Ethromycin. And sometimes he would prescribe an anti-nausea medication called Phenagin, um, just if the patients complained of noise of nausea associated with anaesthetic. Now, Martin requested some deviations from the surgeon's usual protocol. First, he requested an additional stronger pain rel- pain reliever called oxycodone, also known as Percocet. He requested the Lortab to be in liquid form. He requested more than the typical amount of phenogram and also requested it in suppository form. Finally, he requested the anti-anxiety drug Valium. McNeil said that he was only concerned that Michelle wouldn't do well without having these other options available and that he wanted to have all the options available to him, even though Michelle had told him that she didn't like to take a lot of medication. Now remember, Martin is a doctor, so the surgeon complied with Martin's complied complied with Martin's requests and gave Michelle instructions, saying it's important that you only take one pill at a time, and certainly avoid taking all of them together. Michelle assured the surgeon that she was going to try and minimise the amount of medication that she took Martin assured the surgeon, you know, he was a doctor He knew how to prescribe and to give out this medication And Alexis was like, well, I'm going to be there too to help look after her So everything's going to be fine Now, the operation went well And the surgeon was pleased with the result. However, Michel felt a bit groggy and just wanted to stay the night. Martin got angry at this and told Michel that they needed to go home. But when the surgeon said that he preferred to keep his patients in, Martin gave in and Michel was released to go home the next day. Now, on the day Michel returned home, Alexis acted as her caregiver because Alexis was home on spring break And Alexis gave her her medications, dressed her wounds and helped her to the bathroom Because Michelle was effectively blind because of bandages and that all over her face Now Alexis kept a log of Michelle's medication on a pad of paper And included the time she took each pill and the dose Alexis also kept a log of Michelle's vital signs and food intake in what she called her little black book. She later combined the two logs and placed a pad of paper in a drawer next to Michelle's bed. Now, that evening, Martin insisted that Alexis leave the room because he would be taking over Michelle's care. So Alexis left and slept. In her younger sister's room That night The next morning Alexis entered her mother's room But noticed That Michelle Appeared to be very sedated When Alexis Tried to wake Michelle She stirred a bit but didn't wake up Alexis asked Martin what's happened to mum Why is she so dosed up She can't even wake up And Martin's response was that he must have given her too much medicine. When Alexis pressed further, like, what do you mean, your doctor, why are you giving her too much? Martin said he'd given Michelle Lortab, Valium and Ambien, at which point Michelle threw up. So he then gave her Felagran, Percocet and more Lortab. Alexis told her father that he was not to give her any more medicine because... She was going to take over. Now, Michelle told Alexis, if anything happens to me, make sure it was not your dad. So, Michelle knew that something wasn't right with the amount of medication that Martin had been giving her. And She'd even asked Alexis to place each tablet in Michelle's hand so she could feel the shape and the size so she would know what tablets Martin was giving her considering she couldn't see. So later that evening, Michelle told Alexis that Martin had kept giving her medication and just telling her to swallow and when she started to throw up he just gave her more and more and that's why she had asked Alexis to let her fill the medication so that didn't happen again. Now Alexis continued to care for her mother and once Michelle's bandages came off, her recovery accelerated and by april the 10th misha was able to walk around and care for herself she took no valium phenogran or ambien because misha was sensitive to medication she tried to take less than the prescribed dosage and although misha was tapering off her medications martin called the surgeon and asked him to refill Michelle's prescription for Persoset and Phenogram which he did at a follow up appointment because again Martin's a doctor and this surgeon just listened to what Martin was saying Alexis attended this appointment with Michelle but after that Alexis had to go back to school because spring break was over But I believe because Michelle was recovering so well, Alexis didn't have a problem now of leaving her mother. The next day, Martin took the couple's younger daughters to school. And before leaving for school, one of the girls entered Michelle's room and found her mother sitting on the couch in front of the TV. Now, the girl noticed nothing odd about Michelle's behaviour. The two had a perfectly normal conversation before the girls said goodbye and went to school. Alexis called at 8.45am and Michelle said she was doing great and planned to pick the girls up from school. She didn't sound confused, her speech was not slurred, she sounded like she was really on, on the mend and getting exactly where she needed to be. At 9.15am, Martin called Alexis and left a voicemail, urging her to call her mother and tell her to stay in bed. Now Alexis found this strange in light of her earlier phone conversation with her mother, where her mother was absolutely fine. So Alexis called her mother, but Michelle didn't answer. Martin was to receive an award at work that morning. And um, before the event, Martin really told the event coordinator that he needed his picture taken at the event. After receiving the award, he asked the photographer, did you get me in that picture? Make sure you got me in that picture. And after the photographer assured McNeil that he was in the picture, McNeil pressed him again saying, Maybe you better take another, just to make sure you got me in that picture. After the event, Martin picked up the couple's youngest daughter from kindergarten at 11.30am. When Martin and his youngest daughter got home, she called my mum home, but Michelle didn't answer. The girl followed her father into the bathroom. And found Michelle all the way in the bathtub, lying in the water, still in her clothes. McNeil told his daughter to run next door and get help. While she was going to get help, Martin called 911. Now, Martin gave the dispatcher a false address and hung up. So when you phone 911, you get to put to a main switchboard. They take your address and that, and then they put you through to the local ambulance place. But the address that Martin gave wasn't an address at all. Um, Martin did call again. And said my wife has fallen in the bathtub She's unconscious She's underwater Now Martin said That he couldn't lift her So he let the water out Of the bathtub Now Remember earlier When I said that Martin Had single handedly Totally redone his basement Including lifting Heavy slabs Heavy concrete slabs, yet he couldn't lift Michelle out of the bath. So the dispatcher asked him to stay on the phone, as they do, they usually keep you on the phone until they know somebody's there with you, but Martin hung up again. The dispatcher this time called back because they had his number and his correct address And McNeil told her that he had CPR in progress, yet he was speaking to her on the phone. And I don't know, if you're doing CPR to save your wife's life, I don't think you'd be answering the phone, but that's just me. Now, although the dispatcher requested that he stay on the phone, Martin hung up again. He then called a colleague at work, and told him he was doing code on his wife Like, why? Why do you need to phone your colleague at work To tell him that when your life's wife Your life's wife Your wife's life hangs in the balance of you doing it correctly And you're just phoning people up to let them know It's bizarre yes. Now, at this time, Martin's phone rang again this time it was Alexis, and he told Alexis, your mother's in the tub and she's not breathing. So Alexis immediately went to the airport to fly home. Now, it was on the way home that Michelle's words to Alexis, is, like, if anything happens to me, make sure it wasn't your dad. And it was then that she became suspicious of him. So, so, I'm just trying to find where I'm in my notes. Yeah, so the daughter, the younger daughter, returned to the bathroom with a neighbour and they both found Martin hunched over Michelle's face. Michelle was face up with her head under her for- the faucet and her legs and feet inside the bathtub. Two more neighbours came in and observed Michelle's body in this same position So she's lying down as if you were having a bath Her head under the taps, her legs the other way I mean, if you get in the bath, I don't know who sits at the tap end I think that's a bit bizarre um, You know, she'd got in the bath and something happened She unconscious and slipped under the water Get Who gets in the bath with her head at the tap end? I don't know So, they lifted Michelle out of the tub and McNeil began CPR. One of the neighbours performed the chest compressions while McNeil leaned over Michelle's head to periodically administer the rescue breath. However, the neighbour did not observe Martin's mouth ever touching Michelle's. Nor did Michelle's chest rise and fall. When Martin administered the rescue breaths, two paramedics arrived and took over CPR. When the paramedics began CPR, Michelle's colour instantly changed from blush to a pinky, fleshy colour, and a gurgling sound came from her chest, and she expelled quite a lot of fluid from her mouth more than once, at least three to four cups first time, and a substantial amount the second time. Now, I find it strange, like CPR is difficult, and a lot of people don't really know how to administer CPR correctly. But Martin is a doctor, and I find it very strange that a doctor could not do CPR correctly. While the paramedics performed the CPR, Martin told him that he'd only been away from the home for a short period of time, during which Michelle overdosed on her pain medication, slipped in the tub and hit her head. Now, McNeil said he found Michelle face down, slumped over the tub. Because by this point they've got Michelle out of the bath and she's on the bathroom floor when the paramedics got there. So Martin says that Michelle was bent over the bath with her head in the bath under the water and her lower body out of the bathtub. So like you're bending over to wash your hair when you can't be bothered to get in the shower or get in the bath. when you just... Bend over the bathtub Sort of like that but totally slumped over So she was fully immersed in the water But the neighbours that arrived All said that Misha was actually totally in the bath With her head under the taps And her feet the other end So Martin's story is totally different To everybody else that's there Martin then began yelling and became increasingly loud and agitated to the point that the officers and paramedics feared for their safety and had to remove him from the room. Shortly thereafter, the ambulance arrived and McNeil accompanied Michelle to the hospital. Now, Martin's adult son returned home that evening with the son's girlfriend, his girlfriend, and Martin asked the two to accompany him to the bathroom where Martin had found Michelle that morning. The son's girlfriend noticed that the bathroom was clean, with no trace of blood, although Martin had told her when he found Michelle that day, there was blood everywhere. Nobody else mentions this blood, but apparently there was blood everywhere. But By the end of the day, it miraculously just disappeared. Martin asked his daughter-in-law to go and get Michelle's pills. So she found various drugs, but some of the bottles had very few pills in them. Um, Martin and his son counted the pills, and Martin kept repeating Michelle was not taking her pills. Martin became frustrated and said he did not want to do this anymore And had his son's girlfriend flush the pills down the toilet Because they made him sad Now when his daughter-in-law was questioned about doing this She does say that she found this request very bizarre But the man had just lost his wife so she, she went along with it because she was trying to help. And I, I get that. When people are grieving, they can do and say really bizarre things. So Alexis is now returned home that evening. And she went straight to the bedroom to look for the medication. Because she wanted to know how much medication had been taken and what was going on. But the room had already been cleaned out. Items that had been there the day before, like a hospital bed, stuffed animals and blankets, had already all been removed. The bathroom rug was gone. And while looking for her mother's medication around the house, Alexis found the bathroom rug, a pile of wet towels and clothing and other items of Michelle's in the garage. Like, this is the evening of the day. Like, she's been dead a matter of hours. And Martin's already put all her stuff in the garage. Also gone was The Little Black Book in which Alexis had tracked her mother's medication intake. Alexis asked Martin where her mother's medication was. And he told her, I don't know, I think the police might have taken it. Now Alexis found the small pad of paper that she had tracked Michelle's medication on for the first few days after surgery in the drawer where she left it but the little black book wasn't there with it. So when Alexis asked Martin what happened he took her into the bathroom to show her how he found Michelle. Martin gave Alexis the same description he had given the paramedics that Michelle was face down slumped over the tub with her upper body inside the tub and her lower body outside the tub. He told Alexis that the bath was full of water and off. Rachel, the McNeil's ...other adult daughter arrived later that evening... ...and McNeil said that they needed to get the autopsy done right away... ...because he was concerned there was going to be a police investigation... ...and he didn't want anybody to think that he had murdered Michelle. Like, your wife's just died. Why would that be one of the first things you think? I, I don't know. I mean... Like I said, people do strange things when they're grieving, but it's just bizarre behaviour to me. So, several days later, McNeil spoke with the medical examiner, Dr Maureen Freak. He gave the same account he'd given the emergency responders and his daughter, that he found Michelle slumped over the tub with her face completely submerged and her lower body hanging outside the tub. Dr. Frick determined that the manner of Michelle's death was natural and the cause of death was cardiovascular disease with hypertension and myocarditis. Michelle's funeral was held three days later. Now, it was held so soon because Martin rushed to get the autopsy done. Now, before the service, Martin helped set up running back and forth from the church to his car without his cane. And as people started arriving, however, he began limping and using the cane. Now, Gypsy... Gypsy Gillian Willis Who Martin had been having the affair with She attended The funeral And the two texted Throughout the service After the funeral a family friend Approached Martin and offered to help Care for his minor daughters But McNeil told her That he'd already hired a nanny Martin's Adult daughter's also offered to care for their younger siblings but Martin asked Rachel to go with him to church to pray about getting a nanny. When Rachel arrived MacNeil did not want to go inside but instead remained on a bench outside the church and soon a woman approached Rachel and Martin from the parking lot and said I'm so sorry for your loss, I was at the funeral. She told them that her name was Gillian and that she had attended nursing school. Martin asked for her phone number and Gillian, who was absolutely gypsy Gillian Willis, left. Now they were pretending that they had only just met. And nine days after Gillian's death, Martin hired Gypsy as the family nanny and moved her into Martin's home. Now, Alexis didn't realize who it was because she never met Gypsy, and Gypsy was saying that her name was actually Gillian. So it just never really, no, the penny never really dropped. Now, Surprise, surprise, Gypsy never fulfilled her role as nanny in the Martins household. The children were left alone to take care of themselves. And Martin actually threatened to kick his older daughters out when they asked why Gypsy wasn't actually being a nanny. Gypsy and Martin travelled to Wyoming where Gypsy introduced him to her family as her fiance. By the end of the summer, she held herself out in the public as Gillian McNeil, and the two applied for an identification card that listed the date of their marriage as April the 14th, 2007, the day of Michelle's funeral. Martin's oldest adopted child Giselle from Ukraine he sent her back to Ukraine now it was supposed to be a short holiday to for her to go home and see where she was actually from and I think it's like there's some family she wanted to see and things like that um this short holiday ended up being a whole year And Gypsy only came back to America when Alexis was like "Right, enough's enough and went and got her. Now the year that Giselle was gone, Gypsy and Martin used her social security number to give Gypsy a whole new identity and get her out of some bad debt that Gypsy was in. Um. So yeah, <laughs> when Giselle came back to America, there is now an issue Because there's now two people claiming the same social security number Gypsy and Martin got done for fraud Gypsy was sentenced to three years probation And Martin was sentenced to four years in prison now, having witnessed Martin's behavior after Michelle's death, Alexis, Rachel, and Michelle's sister. So I'm just, I've lost my place. I've moved the page and now I've lost my place. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, sorry, right? Having witnessed Martin's behaviour after Michelle's death, Alexis, Rachel and Michelle's sister asked investigators to re-examine Michelle's manner of death because they're now thinking that there was something not right about it. So the Utah County Attorney's Office asked a toxicologist to examine Dr. Frick's toxicology report for Michelle's autopsy. Now, the report stated that at the time of death, Michelle's blood contained Valium, Percocet, Phenogran and Ambien in concentrations likely to render her severely obtunded. Difficult to arouse, potentially asleep and unable to respond constructively to her environment. The Utah County Attorney's Office also asked Dr. Todd Gray, Dr. Frick's successor, to review Dr. Frick's conclusions. Dr. Gray changed the manner of death from natural to undetermined. And changed her course of death from heart disease to the combined effects of heart disease and drug tox- toxicity. However, there was still no evidence to convict of Michelle's murder until Martin decided that while he was in prison, he was going to brag to his fellow inmates. He told inmates that he had got away with murdering Michelle. He told inmates that Michelle needed a helping hand and he had to hold her under the water for a bit. And it's present. Everything's listened to. People are likely to tell tales for very little So this got back To the prison guards And one month after Martin was released In 2012 He was charged with Michelle's death November 2013 Martin McNeil was sentenced To 17 Years to life During the Trial he showed no emotion whatsoever, even as his daughters sat there showing him pictures of his mother, and um, of their mother, of Michelle. He showed no emotions whatsoever, until Gypsy came on the stand and they started talking about the love letters that him and Gypsy had sent while in prison. He then cried. Gypsy was not charged For Michelle's murder Apparently there was no evidence To suggest that she actually knew anything Or had anything to do with Michelle's murder Considering how much they were texting I suppose if if they did They would have slipped up and spoke about it On the phone or on text and stuff In April 2017, almost 10 years to the day of Michelle's death, Martin was found dead in his prison cell after committing suicide. The daughters had loving wife to Martin removed from Michelle's grave. And Alexis changed her name from McNeil To her mother's maiden name, Summers And Alexis graduated medical school And is now Dr. Alexis Summers And has custody of all of her younger siblings That is the story of the bathtub murder As I said, I do believe I have recorded this before. So there's probably already stuff about this story on Instagram and TikTok. But I don't know where the podcast went. So here it is. Facebook page, Instagram and TikTok. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Just search True Crime Obsessed Mum. If you enjoyed this, please press subscribe or follow follow whichever it is on the platform you listen to and yeah share it with your friends see if they like it too next episode will be next week on thursday but if you want true crime bits and bobs in between that tiktok instagram is the place to go so yeah come and follow me on there have a good week bye